Okay, we'll uh, start by addressing the Talmudim who are only here for the summer. But it also can extend to those who are here a little longer. You have to have realistic expectations. And you're only here for a few weeks. So you have to realize that there's a limited amount that you can accomplish in a few weeks. There's an old joke in the yeshivas that a good series yeshiva bachar wants to learn all of shas in a short amount of time and have a good night's sleep. You guys come because you want to learn how to learn Gemara in five weeks. That's not realistic. Realistic expectations. So, now that I deflated your egos, <laughs> I'll also quote something else. The Gemara says, the Medrash says, a person wants to see the Shechina in this world. That's a wow. Normally we're only going to see the Shechina in the next world. You want to see the Shekhinah in this world? Learn Torah in Eretz Yisrael. And that's what you guys did. You came to learn Torah in Eretz Yisrael. Wow. Amazing. But we need to talk here a little bit about a number of elements in this week's Parsha that can inform us about the experience of being here in Yeshiva. And we'll start with the Nitziv's introduction and his whole flow throughout Sefer Bamidbar. The Nitziv says that Bamidbar is the transition point, and the stories in Bamidbar, if you follow them carefully, he says it's the transition point between the Jews in the desert living miraculously. And the Jews who are going to be entering Eretz Yisrael, where they're they're going to have to live in a natural system. Now, God controls both of them. But when you're in a miraculous system, your relationship with God is very different than it is when you have to live in a natural system. And parenthetically, that was one of the problems the Miraglim had with going into Eretz Yisrael. They liked the the miraculous system and they were very uncomfortable going into a system that requires you to plow, to plant, to fight natural wars and have God controlling things behind the scenes. They wanted him to control things overtly. Then it goes through this the, the entire way. Our parallel would be, on a certain level, We've heard this from our Rosh Yeshivas. When you're in Yeshiva, you're in the desert. What does the desert mean? What was the desert? Pure involvement in spiritual activities with all of your physical needs taken care of. I hope you all appreciate that while you're in Yeshiva, on a metaphorical level, you're in the desert. You're involved in spiritual activities. From the moment you wake up, you just roll down the steps to shul, to davening, and you're learning, and you don't have to do anything to make food. Everything is taken care of. Maybe you got to do a little laundry, but that's small potatoes. So you're in a yeshiva. You're in, a, you're in an environment of spiritual growth, and everything's taken care of. But that's not the long-term plan that God has for you, because eventually 
you got to leave. There are people who don't like to leave. They want to be lifers. Okay? Just like the Miraglim, we want it to be lifers in a miracle environment. That's not what God wants. God expects you to get into the real world, certainly everybody sitting in this base medrash, and be involved in the physical world with spiritual growth. That was Eretz Yisrael. So that says that that's the theme of Sefer Bamidbar. We come to this week's Parsha, and I think there are, I'd like to highlight three unique things in this week's Parsha that all need to speak to us. I'll tell you what the three main themes are, and then we'll go into each one. One is the opening of the Parsha, Para Aduma. One of them is the very mysterious sin that Moshe and Aaron committed at the Meimariva by hitting the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And the third one is a very strange Gemara that darshans a pasuk about the after the wars of Sichon and Og. It says a pasuk Alkain Yomru Moshlim Cheshbon, and we'll see how the Gemara darshans that pasuk and what's the relevance. So let's first talk about Para Aduma. So everybody understands Para Aduma is a mystery, right? It makes the, the, the it's, it's used as the paradigm for chok, things that are not understood. And you have, to, you have to know why is that the paradigm? Is that the only mitzvah in the Torah that you guys don't understand? Para Aduma? There are other mitzvahs you don't you understand? No, there's lots of things we don't understand. But the reason why Para Aduma is viewed as the paradigm is because there's an internal contradiction. It's an, it, 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 the person who prepares it and touches it becomes Tomei, and the person who gets those same things that yesterday, the guy who touched it became Tomei, we sprinkle the, 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 the ashes on the person who's Tomei, and he becomes Tomei. It's a, miraculous. But what it's telling us is that there are realities. Right? There's, there are realities that you, ne- that you don't always have to understand. See, and what we knew, one of the things in yeshiva, I like to call yeshiva a reality check. It's one of the reasons why we're so wedded to the text. Because in your, if you, as long as you can say svara, so svara you can say whatever you want. I mean, it's gotten out of hand today in the secular political world where they're saying me svara things that, I don't even want to start, I don't want to mention some of the things that they're saying today that are so anti-against, you know, anti-reality. But it's a reality check. But you've got to know where we find reality. See, the media tries to create reality. And the difference between the media and scientists, as long as scientists aren't hijacked by woke culture, which they're being hijacked, but assuming scientists are still doing what scientists are supposed to do. So media creates reality, and scientists reveal reality. I have a couple of classic examples. The media created reality that smoking was good. We grew up with commercial, with the advertisements in the major picture magazines of a full-page ad of a doctor in scrubs smoking a cigarette. And the byline was, I don't remember which, I think it was, I don't remember which, you know, Marlboro was the, was the Cowboys. So I don't remember which cigarette that doctors smoke most. That was the commercial. Okay, you remember where it was? Which, you remember which cigarette it was for? I think it was Lucky Strike, but I'm not sure. Okay, so that they created a reality, but the scientists revealed reality. Okay, that smoking kills you. Okay, 
But sometimes even scientists get it wrong. Sometimes even scientists get it wrong. Talk about what we grew up with. So the two things I always remember growing up with, I had aunts who were really into health. Okay, butter, lots of butter, it's healthy for you. And lots of sun. Okay, so basically now they know butter is cholesterol and sun is cancer. <laughs> but they didn't know that at the time. So scientists also get it wrong sometimes. Torah reveals reality without getting it wrong. So when you're studying Torah, you've got to know that what you're doing now, you're involved in an environment, you're involved in an activity of discovering reality. Parah Aduma, the Medrash says, Mi yitain tahor mitame. And the Gemara lists a whole... A whole uh, the Gemara gives a whole list of unexpected things. Where did Avram come from? He came from Terach. Avram comes from Terach. Lots of other examples where, yeah, it doesn't seem it's against our intuition, but we've got to know that God runs the world not according to our intuition, but he has a system, and our job is to discover the system, to understand the system, and to know that there are transcendent realities that are not necessarily what they appear on the surface when all you do is you have a physical a physical perspective. Torah Aduma teaches us that there's lots of mysteries to reality. And we're studying Torah to try to uncover reality with all of its mysteries. May Marifa. So God tells Moshe, go to the rock, speak to the rock, and water is going to flow. Unbelievable miracle. What does Gemosha do? Skipping all the steps. What does he do? He goes and he takes the mate, which again, the fact that God told him to take the mate when he's going to speak to the rock was already like a raised a question. Why am I taking the mate if I'm going to speak to the rock? Okay? And Moshe hit the rock. And what happened? Water comes pouring out. Unbelievable miracle. I mean, I think it's a big miracle that you talk to the rock. Give me water. Water flows. You tap the rock, water flows. Those are both pretty big miracles. What does it say? Game over, you're not going into Eretz Yan Kilo! You didn't make a Kiddush Hashem. What happened there? So the first thing we have to learn is that there was a marginal difference between the Kiddush Hashem and the lessons that were supposed to be learned from talking to the rock, which is less interventionist than hitting the rock. The Kiddush Hashem would have been greater than Tziv has a bit of a different approach about how one is more within the natural system, one is forcing something outside the natural system. But we can understand very simply, there's a bigger Kiddush Hashem when all you do is sit there and talk, as opposed to taking action to make something happen. That marginal difference made all the difference in the world. So this leads us to a very important principle, which will open the door for the last lesson also. We're used to thinking that what's really important is the big things. There's the little details. Detail, detail, right? What do they say? God is in the details. But at the end of the day, you can't compare a little detail to a major, major action. Okay? I mean, you want to talk about big decisions that you guys made? 
every one of you who is here made a major decision. All right, some of you who thought your parents were whose parents thought you were crazy, some of them who supported it, but it was a major decision, no question about it. I don't think anybody had it easy to spend a lot of money, get on a plane, come here, lose a month or a year from college, from work, disconnect possibly from some of your friends. Big decision to come here. I want to talk about little decisions. So there's a famous Gemara that we always quote. We always quote Kishechola Reb Yosi ben Kisma. Halach Rabbi Hanina ben Tradin Levakra. So Rabbi Yosef Mekis was the Gadol Ador. This is in the time of the Roman persecutions. And his Talmud, Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion, goes to visit him. And Rabbi Hanina ben Tradion was defying the Roman decree, which was not to teach Torah. And he was teaching Torah. So Omer Leh, Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma says to him, Hanina Achi, he says, you know, the Romans were given power by God and they said not to teach Torah in public. Right? And they had the power to destroy our base on Migdash and all kinds of terrible things. And I hear that you are Yosheh Osek B'Torah Makil Kihilos. So Omar Lo, what was Rabbi Hanani ben Trajan's response? Min HaShamayim God will have mercy. You like that answer? Well, Rabbi Yosef and Kisman did not like that answer. It sounds very from. It sounds like a from answer. Right? I'm talking logic. I'm talking reality. You're doing something that's going to get you in big trouble. And you're giving me a from answer? God's going to have mercy? I'm astounded if what if they're not going to end up burning you and a Sefer Torah together. And the Gemara says, ultimately, that's what happened. Okay, that's the first half of the conversation. But then, Omer Lo, now, Rabbi Hanani Mitrani says to Rabbi Yosef Ben Kisma, Mani What's going to be my place in the next world? Omer Lo, Klum Did you ever do anything great? But he's talking to somebody who's risking his life to teach Torah. And he wants to know, do you ever do something great? So Omar Lo, you know what? Yeah, I had some charity money, and I had some money that I set aside for my poor in Suda, and they got mixed up. So what were you allowed to do? You're allowed to say, well, I had $100 of charity money, $100 of poor money. I'll figure out, I'll, you know, so I'll give 100 to charity, 100 No, 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 I used it all for charity. Right? And I all gave it all to the Andean. Oh, my low, so here Rabbi Yosef Ben Kisma says, Oh, Im came? If that's what you did? I hope that I could have the same place in Olam Haba as you. So, of course, I hope everybody realizes that that's pretty strange. That's a pretty strange benchmark for your Olam Haba because, so you, you, you just took the money that was Purim and the money that was Tzedakah got mixed up and instead of just splitting it, you took it all for Tzedakah. So Rav Dessler, Rav Chaim Levitz, they all talk about the power of Maisim Ketanim. Little minor things. Rav Dessler talks about how. Who was looking when that happened? Nobody was looking. What does the Yetzirah tell you to do? No big deal. Just give this, this, and that. It's very easy to forego. That's where the rubber hits the road. When nobody is looking, 
and it's a little thing that you could go poo-poo, that defines the person. That's the person. Says Reb Nessler, why? There's glory in big actions. You get to pat yourself on the back for making a huge decision to come and learn Torah all the way in Eretz Yisrael, even if it's only for five weeks. Not such a big decision. But for a year, unbelievable. Pat you on the back. There's a piece of paper on the floor that nobody's paying attention to and the yeshiva's not so not not looking mechubad. What's that's no big that's no big deal. Right? My my roommate is sleeping and I come in and I make a little more noise than is appropriate. That's a little deal. That's no big deal. Says there's no glory in that. Nobody knows, and it's not a big deal, and the Yetzirah can make you take it lightly. That defines the real person, what we call Maisim Ketanim, the little things. And that is one of the lessons indirectly from the from the Meimariva. Moshe Rabbeinu, it was a little ver, it was a little breach. Well, little breaches have great consequences, and that's one of the things you have to realize is that you made the big decision to come here. But what about those little decisions, those little things every day that you have conflict in, and? That's really where the person is defined. And that leads us to the last lesson. So the Gemara says, the Medra says like this. The Pasuk is, it's a, got a lot of strange words in it, and the drushas are even, are, are very powerful. Alkein Yomru Hamoshlim. We'll translate the Pasuk literally. This is in chapter 21. All right, and we'll translate it literally and then see how Chazal darshan each phrase. Alkein Yomru Hamoshlim. The rulers. Bo'u Cheshbon, let's go to a place called Cheshbon. Tibona v'tikonen ir Sichon. We will rebuild the city of Sichon. Says the Gemara. Ma'idich siv alken yomru hamoshlim bo'u Cheshbon. Who are these rulers that are saying, come to Cheshbon? Everybody knows the word Cheshbon means calculations. And moshlim means rulers or control. Hamoshlim, who are the control? Who are the Moshlim? Elu Moshlim biYitzram. They're controlling their Yitzhar Hara. And what are, we, what are they supposed to say? Bo Cheshbon, come to Cheshbon. What kind of a Cheshbon? Bo Nachshov. Let's calculate Cheshbono Shel Olam. Let's make a calculation. Hefseid Mitzvah Keneged Schara Schara Veira Keneged Hefseida. What is the cost-benefit analysis of a mitzvah and an avera. What does a mitzvah cost me? And what is the benefit? What is the benefit of an avera? And what is the cost? And if you do that, you're going to always end up doing the right thing. Make a calculation, cost-benefit analysis. So you're controlling your yetzer hara, make the calculations, and you'll be tibonaviti konein, Says the continuation, what's Tibana Vikitone? It's going to be rebuilt. If you do that, Tibane Be'olam Haza, you will be built in this world. Vitikonein, and you will be fixed or rectified in Olam Haba. It's a great thing. Asks the Nesivos Sholom, the Slonim Rebbe, wait a minute, who are we talking to? Bo, right? Moshlim, who are people who control their Yetzirah. I, I don't. I'm controlling my Yetzirah. I don't need to make calculations. Who needs to make the calculation? The guy who's not controlling his Yetzirah. 
Right? You're not controlling your yates or hard. You better get into shape by making a calculation of the cost-benefit analysis of a mitzvah and a veil. That's the problem the Slonim Rebbe says. So he says like this. He says, if you don't have your Yetzirah under control, an intellectual calculation isn't going to help. Because your Yetzirah, you're on fire with the Yetzirah, and you're going to rationalize everything under the sun. You have your Yetzirah under control. But now, of course, even when you have it under control, it never lets go. So now there's a conflict. Now you have the ability to conquer it. You have the ability to control it with a, with a cost-benefit analysis. I believe that you now are in an environment where you have brought your Yetzir Hara under control. If you're on a university campus, the Yetzir Hara is not under control. It's just so overwhelming that all the calculations in the world are not going to help. So that's not, we're talking now about people who have brought their Yetzir Hara under control. And if I'll tie that back to what we said a few minutes ago, the Masim Gedom, the big stuff has been done. You made the major decisions. Once you made the major decisions, says, this is basically what the Salonim Rebbe says. If you haven't made a major decision, and you're now confronted with relatively small decisions, but you've got to make a major decision, the, this Cheshbon isn't going to work. You've got to just dive in. You've got to make a decision that isn't going to be built on cost-benefit analysis. It's a little bit better this way, a little bit better that way. No, no. You've got to dive in. You have to make that decision you always have to dive in. That's, I think, most of your decision to come here. You didn't sit there and, well, a little bit this, a little bit that. Again, maybe if you're planning to stay longer, but it's it's just you got to make the decision. Now you're here, so you made the major decision. Now you're confronted with the small decisions. How do I spend my time? How do I interact with my roommates? How do I interact with yeshiva property? All of those little things, okay? You know, now now you can sit there and when you, the alarm clock goes off, you can say, well, you know, I really, uh, d- d- davening, on time for davening, a few minutes late, rush psuke to zimra, I really need a little more sleep. Now the Yetzirah can start playing with you and you need to make the cheshbon. What am I doing here? Why am I here? What's the, is this better? Is that better? Because you made the major decisions. There's another point that you have to learn from the Meimariva. The little things, but there's another big lesson. How long did it take Moshe Rabbeinu to lose his right to go into Eretz Yisrael? One minute. He's standing there, and at that moment, before he hits the rock, he's a person who can go into Eretz Yisrael, hits the rock, everything changed. The power of one minute. Connect that to the lost potential when he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. You need to be aware. You need to be focused. We talk about mice and kind of little things. You've got to be aware one of the littlest things is one minute. What's the power of a minute? 
Wow. Look at the power of a minute. What's the power of a little decision? You could have done it a little better. Moshe Rabbeinu could have done it a little better and he didn't do it as good as he could have done it. That was it. They both were big Kiddush Hashem's, but one was a little, not quite as good as the other. You've got to be asking yourself, can I do it better? Don't cheapen the value of five or ten minutes. What's the difference whether I get to davening two minutes late or I get to davening two minutes early? You know what the difference is? A world. A whole world. One is relaxed, serious davening, and one is... Now, it's easy in yeshiva. But you got to do it now, and if you were listening carefully to Marty Rothenberg yesterday, hopefully you'll walk away with it a little bit. Doing it now is easy, but you better practice to do it now, because when you get back out there in the, quote, real world, when you get out of the desert and have to go into a natural world, it's going to be much harder. It's going to be very hard. Don't live in a fantasy world to think that when you're back in your home and you're married with kids or you're at a job, that it's going to be as easy to get to daven for 45 or 50 minutes as it is now rolling down the stairs and having a minion right here to daven slowly. It's going to be a challenge, but you start overcoming the future challenge by realizing that right now you got to work on it, that right now you're in the environment where it's going to be a lot easier. It's still a challenge, and it's those little things that are going to transform you. I think it was mentioned yesterday also by Marty, and Everybody's here to change. You, everybody here came to change. Whether you came to change from a guy who doesn't know how to read Aramaic to how to read Aramaic, you came to change. Hopefully, your, your goals of change are much bigger than just reading Aramaic or not reading Aramaic. But if you want to change, it starts with small little steps. There's no home runs. It's all little steps. That's part of reality check. Okay, one of the fantasies of our, of, our, of our fantasy world is you can have it all. Fantasy, it can happen fast. Growth is slow, one step at a time. You're here for a few weeks, for a few months. Don't, oh, I'm here for, I'm here for a few months. I got plenty of time. Every minute can make a difference. And that's what you got to be focusing on. You got to know that there's realities. You got to access realities. You got to know that every little thing makes a difference. And you've got to be able to confront all of the challenges that the Yetzirah presents. There are different challenges now than you had back then, and there are going to be different challenges than you will have. Right now your job is to focus on the challenges that your Yetzirah is presenting you, and every success that you have here is going to serve you very well when you have bigger, different challenges.